I think billionaires will come out of the influencer space for sure. Oh, for sure. As soon as there's a product that he's, it's mm-hmm. aligned with his audience and it's aligned with him and it's getting them there. Um, I, I see it being, you know, these influencers, the next Elon Musk. I mean, the, these are visionary people mm-hmm. um, that can disrupt the world with technology and everything that's out there just by their leveraging their audience in a very unique way. This is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your hosts, Ricky Ray Butler and Daryl Leaves. All right, welcome back to the Creative Disruption Podcast, where we talk about everything that's disrupting the industry and people that are actually doing it. I'm joined here by my friend and cohort. We always say cohort. You do. You I do. love it because we're like, yes. you're my heart. My heart belongs to you, Ricky. Ricky Thanks. Ray Butler, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. So, Ricky, like we have been doing this for a while, the podcast, yes. and we're like we're both super busy, and we have a lot that's going on. Like, why do you do this? Like, what what's the reason behind it? You just want to be famous, like TikTok famous, or what? Do you- <laughs> yes, it's all about being famous. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's that what it you is. Know, it's, it's one of those things where. It forces me to learn more about what's happening yeah. in the industry, but also it's, it's a good it's a good place to kind of just share different ideas and different things that I'm seeing, and so so it's it, to be honest, it's really for me to learn as much as I possibly can. I because I know it, it, I mean, a it, it is. I I think both of us are obsessed with learning. Like we're yeah. always trying to figure out okay what's going on here, what's going on there. I mean, I wish we could do it even more often. I mean, and we talked about this. Like in the future, I, we're going to start I really doing this do. yeah. more remotely. Like maybe I have the guests with me in LA and you chime in. For I, I, I see how you are. You're like, I'll have the guest with me <laughs> well, and you just be in your closet in the basement <laughs> of your house. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't work from home, <laughs> <Either> <laughs> <do I. laughs> but, but no, I'm, I'm traveling a lot too. And so I think that will probably be the next phase for us. Yeah. Just kind of do it more mobile. Like, Cause I'm, yeah. I'm in London often. I'm in New York often. I'm starting to be no, in China I, a lot I, more often. I think the reason why, you know, I wanted to do it with you in the mm-hmm. sense of the podcast was because, you know, we do have a lot of connections and yeah. we do uh, love the business. We've been mm-hmm. in, in the business since the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, and I kind of want to talk about that for a little bit because, I mean, we've been able to see the evolution yeah. of this digital space. And there's a lot that's happened since then. I mean, I, I can't even imagine when we first was in the that basement, you know, with Devin Graham and all those other people. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, getting things going. And it was really interesting well, to see. Before Devin even had, like, a thriving YouTube channel, like, my company, you know, which was Plaid before I sold it to Ben – we actually hired Devin on several projects just to do edits for us. Exactly. I mean, yeah. and then he was doing some edits for Aura Brush yeah, and yeah. all that other stuff. But yeah. But no, I find it I find it fascinating that the digital landscapes change so much. Mm-hmm. But there's certain things in business that just don't change. And I, I found that a lot of these creators try not to do business models. They're like, oh, sure. I'm just a creator. I'm going to do it. And I've seen them come and go. Like I, I've seen creators that are super passionate about their their creation, but they don't have business practices. Sure. And that's where they fall short. And if they don't pivot to that, then they just kind of come and go. I mean, have yeah. you seen a lot of that in this industry? I, I've not seen that, seen that just with creators because that's obviously a thing with creators, but also with businesses that have started in this industry. Like there's been a lot of rises and falls of different businesses. And it's not necessarily because – they just jumped on a trend that didn't really last is because there's a lack of business acumen. Yeah. Like a lot of people are being very emotionally driven, very hype driven, 
when really they should have been very data driven monitoring profits 100%. And, and being able to, you know, build business models to be able to build up pipelines and make, you know, projections on how successful they could be if they scale what they're doing. Yeah. And, and so I think, it's, I think it's both with the creator and with the business. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's funny. Like we're just, we're, we're kind of like winging this. Oh, we're, and, and, and this we is really never, we never ever, we never ever wing anything. <laughs> this is all about conversations that we're interested in. Yeah. Well, really what it comes down to like to answer your question again, like, I mean, it's really fun just to take time to geek out. No, I love and, it. And it's, and, it's, and it's hard to be able to find that during the day while you're in meetings. Um, I'm always that person that goes into tangents. And exactly. my own team tells me, okay, let's, that's let's, cool. Let's, let's move on. Let's, let's not talk let's about move this right on. now. <laughs> let's, let's get this other stuff finished. No, but I, I think there's a lot that's going on. I think the digital age yeah. has definitely disrupted you know, business and also creators. And ultimately there are some certain, you know, certain principles yeah. in business that, that creators and businesses need to have, especially with the transformation of, you know, the industry. So one of the things for me, um, is I've have, I, I have employees that are in the Philippines and it's what, what's really nice about it is that, you know, once the work day's done, they're actually starting there. And so we're almost having a 24 six, you know, uh, work schedule, you know, yeah. where, where people are just kind of passing off the work to them and they're able to go from there. But I think it makes the, the world footprint a lot, you know, not, not as big. Well, well, the thing is it has to be that way. Like we're now seeing like this, you know, content revolution of globalization of content. Yeah. Where it's not just, you know, every country has their own content. A lot of the world is watching the same content. Yeah. And so, you know, very similar to you with like the Philippines, we have a Shanghai office, and we have our European office, and a New York office, a Utah office, and a California office. A Utah office. And, 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 and there's strategy behind that. Of I, mean, I believe our Utah office speaks around like 25 languages. That is crazy. And so when we're doing stuff in APAC, and the people in APAC go to sleep, our, our, European, our, our London team takes over, and when they go to sleep, our Utah team takes over, and they speak a lot of languages, both yeah. languages in APAC and in EMEA. And, and, and this is how things work. In order to hit deadlines, you need to have multiple teams working on projects. And, and, and so it's, it, there's a lot of you know, globalization of content that's happening. And it's now becoming a lot more diversified where you know, you're having to also get very specific, not just to countries or regions, but now localization is starting to happen when it comes to creators and influencers. And so we actually have a lot of clients yeah, it, now that want to do stuff in New York. Yeah. want to do stuff in San Francisco. And that's starting to become more and more of a trend. And I, and I think the, the thing that I want to kind of focus in on just for a little bit mm -hmm. is, you know, to really succeed in the digital space today, sure. whether you're a creator or a business, what do you need to do? Like at the end of the day, what do you need to do? And I think part of it is from the creator side, you know, you see these creators that are just in their heyday. They're making a mm -hmm. ton of money. They don't put uh, uh, business principles in, yeah. and ultimately they'll they'll hit their plateau and they start to start dipping down, and then they start being frantic. And then that's when they reach out to me and they're like, "Hey, we need help because you know we we, yeah. we just don't have the ability to produce what we were producing before and get the same results." And yeah. so, what are some tips that our our viewers? Yeah. Uh, you know, could, could take away from this. Like what, yeah. what are some of these principles that they need to do, whether they're a creator or a business to survive in business in the digital age? Yeah. So I, I see this as like, uh, like a, like a circle um, that, that, that people need to have. 
Um, so wait, 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 it's wait, not the wait, triangle. Wait, no, no, yeah, it's sorry. Not the triangle. So, so I think it first starts at the top. Yeah. You got to have vision. Yep. And then from there, you got to have a plan. Yep. And then from there, processes, data-driven processes to help you execute that plan at scale. And then, you know, towards the top of the vision again, meaning. There has to be purpose. Yeah. There has to be something that's driving it. And so for me, when I started Plaid back in the day, which was one of the first companies to really help pay creators with sponsorships and with Is brands. that why you wear the plaid shirt there? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I hated the name. I was no, outvoted no, I by my it. business partners. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I bought them both out, and I stuck with the name. There we go. Well, well so, but, but one thing that just drove for me, I mean, one of the things that just helped drive me and my team is, you know, our vision was that creators were the future of television. Yeah. We just yeah. knew that was coming, and we were you know, very fortunate that we bet on the right industry and the right approach. But our, our purpose in our meeting was that, you know, it was, we thought it was a beautiful thing that we could empower art yeah, and that we could empower artists. I consider myself a creative person. I consider myself an artist, not good enough to make money, <laughs> but, 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 but there's a lot of satisfaction to be able to help art. And why is that important? Well, What's one of the most important things that's a reflection of culture and history? Exactly. It's art. Exactly. And and so, you know, once in a while I gotta have employees that say, Oh, I'm just pushing another video game, or uh, like we're we're launching launching this beverage, like not a big deal. And for me, like I was like, no, 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 no. This is a huge deal because this brand is empowering artists to create. Yeah. And one thing that we're not seeing right now in the next 10 years, hundred years. A thousand years, I believe that there's going to be a very strong artistic footprint that comes from this community. I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that there's the, the Michelangelo's of the future yeah. are creating video. But I, I think the big thing about it is a lot of this art is now backed by data. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, I think the biggest mistake that creators make and brands make is they're not paying attention to the data. 100%. And I, 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 like I geek out over data and you know how much I geek yeah. out over data. I really do. But at the end of the day, it's like the, when you're taking art and data and you're combining it, that's when something magical happens because you're able to validate what works. And so let me kind of explain where I think a lot of businesses and creators sure. make mistakes in the digital age sure. is they're not really sensitive to three aspects, which is, you know, how's the acquisition going to happen? How are they acquiring new viewers or mm -hmm. new customers? Subscribers, that, that buyers. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That retention of the viewer or the subscri subscriber or buyer or, you know, customer. And then the churn, you know, if they're not focusing in on those three areas, then ultimately they're out of balance and something's going to happen where one day they're like, oh my gosh, I'm out of business or, oh, we've depleted so much. We need to start laying off people because we weren't paying attention to mm -hmm. those metrics. But what's interesting though, for me as a, you know, as working with creators and brands, like focusing in all three elements mm -hmm. makes your business a lot more solid. And as a creator makes better content because you're like, okay, what's the best way to acquire a new view? Um, let me give you an example of this. And I like we had a podcast, and you can find that you know on on our podcast with with uh, Mr. Beast. Mm -hmm. But what was fascinating was when we were going through his data and looking at what would acquire a new subscriber, and we found a pattern. 
And this is all about really be, like this is where I think that the industry is going. It's like, how can we take all this unstructured data, structure mm-hmm. it in a way that we can learn from it or have machine learning to tell us the stuff? Contextualize it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we can make decisions based off of that. And I, I was going through it and I have a, a pattern what I do with all my clients. Mm-hmm. And I, I go through this pattern of how I start recognizing specific uh, data, data points. Yeah. And I says, I, I turned to him, I says, you know what? I found a way that you're getting four X more subscribers that you're acquiring four X more subscribers mm-hmm. than any other videos. And he goes, ah, no, all my videos are that way. I'm like, no, Jimmy, it's <laughs> not that way. And we, we, we broke it down and it was this, it was really simple. Uh, we were able to take all the videos and we were able to group them together and we were able to pull different data points. And we realized when he was actually giving away money to random people out in the wild, he got four times more subscribers. Mm. He got the same amount of views, but he got four times more subscribers. And so ultimately, that was one stage. That was the, you know, the acquisition stage. Now the retention, there's other things that would retain it, you know, mm. retain it and what he would do in the videos. And then that churn rate too, what we found uh, fascinating is when someone would find him, you know, if he released four videos in a given month, you know, the average person would watch six videos. That means mm. they, they'd actually go into his library and watch multiple videos that would be served out to him. So they actually have that. But there was that that churn of how long do they stay into the ecosystem? How many videos are they actually doing? Um, and that data isn't necessarily available. And so as data is available, you know, these creators are able to pivot and say, okay, why are they leaving my YouTube channel? Why are they leaving the videos? How can we learn from that to make better videos to keep them on longer? And so I think uh, for platforms to be around longer is giving the tools that are necessary or the creators and businesses are creating their own tools to get those data points. Mm-hmm. And I know your business has done a lot with, well, with, with this. Well, I mean, specifically around Mr. Beast, um, you know, our, we, we have uh, machine learning algorithms or deep learning algorithms that um, helps us contextualize the content on individual channels. Yeah. And so actually something that I talked to you and Jimmy about is that, you know, I believe our AI has told us that uh, Jimmy has 50 different series on his channel. Yeah. And, and, and so we're not looking at, okay, which video causes the most subscriber growth. I mean, that's something that we could do, but, but for us, we're just seeing, okay, yeah. based on the theme that he's going to be creating, um, was most likely going to be successful when it comes to clicks, when it comes to views and potentially, you know, conversions. Right. Well, and, 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 and what we've learned is, you know, there's such a high variety of content um, on his channel that, that, you know, we want to be able to see what his concept is. And then we then bucket it in one of those exactly. um, series that, he creates. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I think a lot of creators can learn from data. And there's certain there's certain creators that could care less about the data. Like, ah, I don't care mm-hmm. less. I care more about the viewer. But the data is a reflection of the viewer. Like, you can literally see every little aspect if you want of that relationship. How people are feeling, and how to connect with them when they're feeling that way. You have to follow the data and exactly understand what they're thinking, and. And, and it happens on both the brand side and the creator side. I know creators that are always shooting in the dark saying, oh, this is a creative idea. I'm going to go and do this. Yeah. And once in a while, they'll get these really, really successful videos. And other times, it would crash. And, I mean, they'd have to really figure things out and optimize in order to become successful creators. It happens with brands. Yeah. You know, like, 
if if there's a company that comes out there or if there's like a CMO or a marketing director that says, hey, we got to do one viral video, you have to question, you know, if that person's being data driven or emotionally driven. It, it, emotionally vanity, vanity driven. It's like, yeah. like I, I, I got a client not too long ago, so about a year ago, and they're like, hey, would you come look at our socials and really do a deep dive and see the analytics? And I says, okay. And they're like, we're really proud of what we've done, and it's been so great. <laughs> so they, I'm like, they're, they're like pushing they're, their bias on they, you. They, 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 they totally were. And I'm like, uh -huh. okay. And I says, um, I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to give you a report. So it's like a whole audit, and I do these audits, and I go mm -hmm. in and just kind of analyze what they're doing, what they can improve on, you know, and really optimize for the audience. And they're like, yeah, we, we've been spending a lot of money and we're just getting a lot of engagement and it's just so great. But for some reason now it's just dead, you know? And so that's when they usually call me, like we need some help. Mm -hmm. So I went in there and I, I was starting to analyze every video and everything from there. And I really noticed this really abnormal amount of views that were coming from certain part of the world. And I'm like, well, I can pretty much tell you <laughs> what was going on here. And, you know, because it was Digital more marketers gaming it. <laughs> it, yeah, it was for vanity. It was like yeah. they, were, they were buying views and, you know, some were paid ads and some were, you know, click farms, but ultimately mm -hmm. they just for that metrics and they didn't really have an audience, even though they had 7 million, you know, followers, they really didn't have an audience because when they'd release a video, they'd get maybe 20 engagements, post engagements on Facebook. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, and like, where was that coming from? And I think that that is true. I think, you know, uh, as creators or businesses, we need to be true and authentic to the data. Yes. And if you really want the reach, yes, you can put a blended strategy and hit more people, but it should be the people that would be most apt to engage with your views or the, the content well, and not just for views, for well, the numbers. So why do they need to look at the data? Well, that's where the truth is. Yeah. And, and what's truth going to bring you? Success. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Or, and, or, or a lot of disappointment. Yeah, or a lot of disappointment. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, there's, there's, I think there's like um, a thing where I think a lot of people, they look at marketing like gambling. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's throw a bunch of money here. Let's throw a bunch of money here. Oh, that's a new trend. Let's throw a bunch of money there. And, and that's very dangerous. It um, is so dangerous. What it should be about is not finding that moment of success. It should be about consistently having moments. And consistently building success. I mean, would you? And then every month becoming stronger and more successful. Yeah. Would you, as a brand, let's just take it as a brand. Mm -hmm. Would you rather get a million views on a video or would you rather have a thousand views that they completed the video and have taken action? Action? Action at the end of the day. I mean, that's where, like, that's the return on investment is like mm -hmm. when you can get them to go through it. Cause like getting a million views on Facebook's not that difficult because getting three second views, I mean, you just got to get in enough eyeballs going yeah. through their feed and it starts. Now, what you want to do is get them to the end. And I would rather pay more money to actually have them take an action than to have a view. Because if we, we can define the audience as saying, this audience would actually engage with the video, get to the end, have the call to action, click on the video, go to a landing page or within the landing page within the in, in Facebook and take action to purchase, wouldn't you rather want that? Yeah. Well, so this is my question for you. Why do you think there is so much more money now getting pushed into the creator community and into content. Well, I, I think uh, these creators are trusted and, yeah. and they actually have an audience that actually will watch their videos instead well, of an ad going so, up. So that's what it comes down to. 
um, brands are starting to become much more data driven and they're noticing patterns. Yeah. There's a much big difference in pattern when it comes to a casual viewer that you pay to get in front of. Yeah. And a viewer that's a loyal, trusting, captivated well, I, um, viewer. No. And, 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 and when it comes to conversions, when it comes to engagement, when it comes to clicks, the, the loyal viewer is going to be the viewer that does something and takes action. Exactly. And so we're seeing a huge trend now where brands are now realizing, okay, instead of trying to get as much reach on Twitter as possible, where I work with five different Twitter accounts and like put $300,000 behind it so a bunch of people see these random tweets, they're realizing, well, wait, we need to be a part of that organic engagement where loyal, trusting people are watching us and trust the del- the person that's delivering yeah. the message, and then from there, you know, there's gonna be more engagement, more clicks, more conversions. Well, but, I, but what's even the more exciting about this is now that there are literally millions and millions of content creators out there. Brands could literally work with thousands of creators a month and see the same impact or more of an impact than they would get from one Super Bowl commercial. You know, and I and I think too, brands are getting the memo. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is they realize, okay, we can work with thousands of different creators to really get our brand out there. And then Instead two- of 12, which and, most are still and, doing. And two, yeah. then they can actually have brand ambassadors and build mm-hmm. their own channels, right? And what's interesting is that blended approach you know, because where it's a little bit more authentic, less corporate, yeah. you know, a little bit more authentic, a little bit more real. Um, I've been able to see these brands really have some major digital growth because it's like authentic. Yeah. Now, this is where you have to be careful with brand ambassadors. How do you be, how are you going to be data driven? And so this is actually, I think, a big problem. And I think this is actually the area with the most confusion in our industry. Um, people say, okay, well, yes. I'll work with a variety of influencers, but I want to have three influencers that I work with, you know, every well, month what, every what I, and No, 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 no. Let, let, okay, me, let okay. me clarify where I'm going with this. A lot of times, brands are just thinking, okay, I'm just going to get these different people that have the best affinity with our brand. Well, on a high level, that makes sense. Okay, you have affinity. They look good. You know, you guys, you know. Have a good they talk the talk, they walk the walk. Yeah, and but still, the question is, how much data are you really looking at? Yeah, and so sometimes brands will choose, you know, one brand ambassador without really finding out if that person's passionate about working with them, or if they have a a healthy audience, or you know, if if they're really going to be putting the time and having the time to really create something magical with them. Right. And so what we've realized is how you got to do it is you first work with a good variety of different creators and, and you put together a strategy and a plan where you're going to create something that grows. And then that's where the blended approach comes after working with a larger sample, figure out who's converting the most, whose audience is the most passionate about what your product is doing. And then what do you do? You become data-driven. Yeah. You've worked with a variety, and you're like, okay, based on the 50 different creators that we worked with, these five just crushed it. They give us love. They're really passionate. Um, Their audience reacted, clicked, and, like, bought the product. How can we help grow them 
so they can help grow us. Yeah, and I think I think the point that I'm getting at is yeah. yes, I I get that portion yeah. and that's great. You have to dance I, before I think, you get married. It, it's true, but what I'm saying is brands are now creating their own socials. Mm-hmm. They're hiring someone to come on and be their ambassador with no following. There's, they have no following, but they're taking customer data that sure. they already have. They know the common things that are related. They're oh, taking so that when, data. When you say ambassador, I think of like a spokesperson. Right, right. Okay. And so, you're so someone that actually manages their account. Actually, they manage their account. They okay, come cool. on and they're building their own social following uh, with that okay, person okay. as the influencer for that company. Okay, cool. You know, and so what's interesting from that and this is where I'm saying a lot of brands are succeeding is they're taking okay, who who's actually converting because they have all that data mm-hmm. in the customer base sure. and they're like, okay, how do we attract more people? So it's that acquiring stage and that retention stage that yeah. they're actually developing a, a very solid strategy. And I've worked with brands that they actually will sit down, go through that data, put a plan. Okay, this is how we're going to communicate with our said, uh, you know, potential audience. This is what it's going to look like. And then they take a blended approach mm-hmm. where they're blending in some influencer integrations which is getting that crossover yeah. coming into their own their own platform. And ultimately, they're getting more and more views organically that they don't have to pay for or work with an influencer to do. Yeah, like, 100%. why wouldn't you want to do that? And, and eventually, you know, the platforms are going to figure out how to ding them because they're a brand. Exactly. But I, I think what you said is perfect. Um, I mean, it, it's great. Like, in order for brands to evolve with this ever-changing world of content, they have to create content like the content creators. Well, I and, and, and it's, I, it's an opportunity I look at, for them to be able to not just create commercials, but to create content that's valuable and educational, and collaborate with people that are going to be very proud to work with them. And I agree with that. And I look at like the best example. The best example is that is the entrepreneur Elon Musk. Yes. Okay. Let's like let's just like break 100%. it down. One hundred percent. It's like he is the brand. And whatever he does, I mean, I don't even know how many businesses he has, like five or 10 or 20 or whatever it is. Like, but like he is the brand and he can push, you know, he could push whatever. He could push a flamethrower that's not a flamethrower, you know? (laughs) It's just like, it doesn't matter what it is because he is that influencer that is influencing whatever project he's passionate about. What's so crazy about it is that he is so raw and organic. Yeah. He's making a lot of mistakes and getting a lot of controversial but, stuff happening. And but is that a bad okay. thing? People are forgiving him. Yeah. They're okay with it. I don't him. see that being and a bad anything, thing. And if anything, it's gaining probably more momentum for him than anything. I mean, you, which look, is at, amazing. you look at the Tesla stock and whether, whether oh, yeah, you agree with it or not. It's killing it. It's killing it. And the reason why. Well, SpaceX is killing it. Like, well, like you most know, you of the projects are doing amazing. Exactly. And I, and I think the, the whole thing is, is everything has to do with the vision, right? So at the mm-hmm. end of the day, like it doesn't matter. I mean, you're going to take the data what it is, but the vision is what engages people yeah. and gets them in line. And you take the data because yeah. he knows, I guarantee you, he knows how to play it up on Twitter. Yeah. I guarantee he's like, okay, this is this meme or this, whatever is going to, you know, engage this, this specific audience. And he's engaging his haters too, because it's mm-hmm. like polarization marketing, right? Yeah. But I don't know. Which, I, which, for some reason, it works really well on the platforms. The, yeah, it doesn't the, they, they cater to the, the algorithms cater to polarization. I, I think some of the things that he posts is like, okay, this might be borderline. When you have a public company, like <laughs> yeah, he's gotten trouble in the past with yeah. that. But, but I do believe that brands and and creators really need to look at the data and really make data 
driven decisions. Well, they need to be data driven and like in their decision making, but they also need to be data driven in their process. Yeah. I mean, mean, this is the thing when it comes to growth. Yes. You have to follow the data. We have to have a process that helps you scale. No, I, I I agree with that 100%, but I think, I think that the the businesses in the digital age and the creators in the digital age, like they, they need to work together. So, I mean, there's business principles that creators need to Mm -hmm. sustain for long-term and there's, there's things that the creators do that the business need long-term. And I think it comes back down to this and you can disagree with me on this Mm -hmm. all you want, but I truly do believe this. It's like, we need systems and processes Mm -hmm. for creators Okay. Business is the same, but business. Well, that's how you make money. Well, absolutely. You help them create systems and processes. That's exactly right. Channel. Yeah. Yeah. And and then the 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 flip side is businesses need to be more authentic and more real, Mm -hmm. and and connect on a deeper level with the viewer. And I think when that and be okay with making mistakes publicly. Exactly. It's like okay, you know, they're really worried about the PR aspect. Well, really. Come on, We're, we live in a different age now. It's just yeah. how do you communicate it, and are you like, are you going to hide it, or are you going to just say, "Oh yeah, I messed up." Yeah. Is that what it is? Like, come yeah. on. I, I I think that's to really succeed in the digital age. It's like making data driven decisions, but being authentic and having processes and systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's where it's at. So I have a, I have a funny story uh, with, with a, a client that we worked with. That was in the fragrance industry, and. It was a very humbling experience. And this is this is probably about 10 years ago. Okay, this should so, be so, good. This no, should be really you, good. You and I have both been in this space around like 15 years. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, this is early days of Flad. And we did this competition on Facebook amongst, you know, different creators as well as like their audience. Like anyone that's following the Facebook page. Right. And um, we did this little competition and, and a couple of different micro influencers um, were really competing against each other to win. And some people did some sketchy things where they, they flagged content. So you, we couldn't see everything. Okay. And so, so like doing the judging was like kind of, I mean, no difficult. And so anyways, we had these two really high end product. I mean, there's one really high end product that we're going to give away. And we ended up giving it to the wrong person because somebody was like gaming the page. I don't remember exactly what happened. Oh, that's crazy. And, and, um, you know, there was a huge backlash, like, and like this audience just came after the page, you know, came after, you know, everyone involved, including the person that won and all their followers. Like there's like this civil war on this <laughs> fan page. And I was like, oh gosh, what do we do here? And, 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 and this and, is on the brand's well, no, no, no. page, right? It's, yeah. It's not over yet. <laughs> and so we were at the brand. We're like, okay, we're trying to figure out how to deal with this. And then we, we got, we got down to the bottom of it and we realized, okay, like someone else won by like one vote or like one like or whatever it was. Did it have a hanging chat? Yeah, I, I don't know. But and so this person is from a a, 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 a certain region in the world, and um, we're like, okay, well, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna give away two high end products so they both win. <laughs> reasonable, right? That that would be a very reasonable call. Yeah, yeah, for sure. right. For, yeah, we're yeah. not just gonna take it away from the person we already gave it to, you know. Yeah. And so we get another product, you know, prize, and we give it to the person that actually won by, like, one vote. And that created even a bigger backlash. And I'm not going to mention the culture or the region of the world, but there, there, there's an area of the world where tying is way worse than losing. And, 
and uh, <laughs> and 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 I'll just say it got crazy, and we had no idea how to deal with that okay, situation. Wait. And so basically, all we could do is say, "Look, got you your prize. Please talk to your audience and and apologize on our behalf." And and we apologize to everyone. And because like we didn't understand that nuance, it was just a totally different area, different culture that no one, not at the brand or at our company, understood. Right. And so we just literally went out, and the brand was okay with being like, "Okay, look, we made the mistake. Super sorry." And after doing a really big apology, it calmed down. But like once we announced the tie, it became like so. World War so III. lesson learned: talk to the creator first because he knows his audience, right? Well, absolutely. <laughs> And, and and so the creator's like, oh, yeah, you know, where we're from, you know, tying is not good. And we're like, oh, crap. That's the same same in my family, too. Tying's not good. <laughs> right. And so we thought we were being very reasonable, but we weren't being data-driven yeah. with the different regions of the world that we're working with because it was a global campaign. Well, and I think that that is the next stage of, you know, surviving in a digital age is realizing yes. that you're just not in your neighborhood. Like mm -hmm. you, this is a global opportunity and we need to look at it from a global lens. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had clients that they've come on and they thought, okay, local first, but they soon realized based off the data that there's more, uh, you know, uh, more opportunity globally because you 100%. can get the right person watching the right video at the right time and taking the right action. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Cause you can facilitate a sell a lot easier yeah. that way than trying to convince someone why to use you when they don't even want to use you. 100%. You know, you, and and that, and that's one way of being very consistent, especially when working with creators, is yeah. being consistent with the programming that's being well received. Yeah, no, I and 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 that and that's really important from a global level. But now that you know localizations like and and you know niche content and specific cultures is becoming very strong. Um, when you're building a team to execute these types of campaigns, speaking the language is not good enough. Yeah. You need to, to know understand the culture, the cultural nuances. Yeah, it's really interesting because I have I have clients that want to translate in multiple languages. I says, okay, mm -hmm. there's a difference between translating, and there's a you know you got to look at you know the things that are are taboo and the cultural. I mean, uh, like mm -hmm. we both lived outside the United States, yeah. you know. And what's interesting is that if you don't understand how that humor or that that point that you're emphasizing is in that culture, mm -hmm. you could make that faux pas of that fragrance. You could really offend, you know, mm -hmm. the culture so it's not getting out to the right people. I I, I don't know. I I think that uh I think the Chevy uh, campaign way back when the Nova <laughs> uh -huh. doesn't mean in Spanish it means doesn't go. You know, <laughs> and they had to change it, change it because it's like, hey, you know, that's where um, you know, it, it definitely means something different in different parts of sure. the world. Um, so let's talk. Which happens a lot. In no, it does. It does. It so much. And I think, I think the, um, and I'll just say it, like, I think that there's a sense of arrogance with the U S based creators and businesses that they want to push their culture on other cultures out there. And I think we need to be more sensitive to other ways, because if you're going to really see how it engages, yeah. we have the data now to yeah. see, you know, what's going to be the best way to, to really grow and sustain, whether it's a, you know, a business or a creator, yeah. you know, on a global scale. Yeah. So having the vision, looking at the data, making the plan, creating data driven systems and processes and finding meaning.
yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a very interesting 10, 15 years because mm-hmm. I think it is more about being authentic. Yeah. And I think that the the uh creators that really succeed, that really take this world by storm, uh, and also the businesses are making those data-driven decisions. So 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 you feel, you know, I mean, I feel like in the last couple of years, brands have done really well being authentic with creators. You think the next wave is them just being authentic themselves? I do. I mean, I'm looking at the ones that are really pushing the envelope right now, and there's always someone behind that, right? So, like, like whether it's a a very uh, eloquent CEO or, you know, they're more creative and they're more uh, public facing, I think you're going to see a lot of more influence coming from either upper management or someone that represents the company. That's cool. Um, what do you think um, is the next era of super brands? So, you know, wow. you have like That's the a, CPG companies, yeah. you know, you know, that have been around for over a hundred years. I, I think you, you have like the tech companies, the platforms I, like Amazon. Yeah, I think, I think the next is going to be kind of a blended. So I think that, that uh, smart businesses that have a great business plan will sync up with a smart influencer. Yeah. And and to be able to to uh, integrate with their audience, mm-hmm. um, and build massive. I think and billionaires. So, so, so. I think billionaires will come out of the influencer space for sure. Oh, for sure. And for sure. and I I look at. I mean, we've talked about him a lot, but Mr. Beast, for example. I mean, he will be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you oh, know. I agree. And he's sharp. And it's just not the sharpness mm-hmm. of it. It's just like. He gets the vision of where he wants to be, mm-hmm. and as soon as there's a product that he's, it's mm-hmm. aligned with his audience and it's aligned with him, and it's getting them there. Um, I I see it being, you know, these influencers, the next Elon Musk. I mean, the, these are visionary people mm-hmm. um, that can disrupt the world with technology and everything that's out there just by their leveraging their audience in a very unique way. You mm-hmm. know, and it's not not to say like I just read this article that. I, I don't know what to think about it, but Jake Paul starting up a, a Freedom Academy, um, and I don't know what to think about that yet. Yeah, we'll let it play out. Yeah, but it's it, just like it's, I, I'm seeing a lot of controversy around it on LinkedIn. Yes, where people are like saying, "Call the Better Business Bureau." Yeah, I I personally think I I respect the ambition. Yes. Um, um I, I hope I just want to. S- it's not a business plan to convince people not to go to school. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, well, I, mean, I have a problem. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed but, to that. I mean, if, as long as their education is a part of their life. Sure. I mean, you could be educated in some. No, no, ways. absolutely. I mean, it'll just be interesting to see what it is and, and how it works. I think a lot of people are jumping, um, to conclusions way too I, fast. I, I, um, I would be one of them because yeah. I'm like, okay, what is he really going to teach my kids? You know what I'm saying? Sure. Not that my kids would actually ever subscribe. How much is he? I mean, he's basically like doing like life coaching. Yeah. I think like, life coaching yeah. is like 19 bucks a, a month and it was like very specific, no set curriculum. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not, a, I'm not opposed at, at, at taking, uh, you know, an entrepreneurial risk mm-hmm. and jumping into it. What's interesting though, is the opportunities that are created because of the influence and what does that influence actually steer? The reason why we use that example is I think that there's going to be more things like this in the coming years Mm -hmm. because brands would say, Oh, here's an opportunity with an audience. What can we do? How can we synergize? I, I really believe the disruption that's going to happen in our industry is going to be uh, with talent management. And Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this for a second because I really do believe it. 
it's not what we can take from the talent. It's mm. what can we synergize on? What can we bring to the table that would actually leverage the talent in a, in a unique way? You know, whether it's like finding joint ventures that they're like, you know, these opportunities that are coming on and the talent management takes a cut, you know, and, and basically, uh, you know, creates a marriage between the brand or whatever, or they actually build up a business mm -hmm. that is able to support. Or, or will it be talent managers or will it just be employees that, I, I I see both. It, like yeah. there are there yeah, are some those that's happening right now. It is. It There's is either you know creators that are hiring people to build their business, or they're getting managers to help them, and and it really to each their own. Yeah, like, I mean it makes sense for on both sides. It just really depends on the threshold of the creator. If they just want to just have a hands off mm -hmm. approach, they just want to create, and somebody else can manage. That's fine. And they, whether they hire it internally or work with a with an agency. Well, if you're able to build a following of tens of millions of followers, I mean, you're right. That's where, you know, um, the next billionaires are going to be made. I, I do agree with that. Because it's like, it doesn't matter what product, what service, as long as that authentic fill is there, that opportunity is just going to be bound. I mean. And, and I think that's especially going to happen. I mean, one company I, I'm, I've been very impressed with is Tastemade. Yeah. They have content everywhere. Yeah. They're really big on Facebook. They're very big on Instagram. They're very big on YouTube. They're big on several Chinese platforms. Yep. They're on TV. They're on Hulu. They're they're on Roku. Yep. I, I mean, I mean, they're everywhere. I think as creators can figure out how to build like Tastemade has, that's where they're gonna be making their billions because Tastemade is launching a bunch of products now. And actually, um, we should have um, the the founder on. I mean, we should. You know, I know him, and 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 I'll 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 connect with him, and we'll have. No, him on I I think it'll be interesting because so, because he literally looked at it not as am I am I going to create something where I'm going to become famous. He just started launching as much content as fast as possible and got really good at it. Yeah. Um, one one thing. Um, so I have a business partner that I brought on uh, for Vid Summit. Uh, Sean, you know, yeah. Sean McBride, Sean Duras. And what I've been really impressed with this, and this is where I really do believe that people that can build an online following can evolve into a billion dollar business. Yeah, because he's uh, doing well as esports now. Oh my right? gosh, he is. They just won the world, like for, for Rainbow amazing. Six. It's just, it's crazy. But what's interesting is they take a raw, real approach at how to engage an audience. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they're doing it on the back end. So here's some esports teams that spend hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars trying to engage an audience where he's able to bootstrap it, come in and, and take over, you know, different, different esports, uh, uh, games because he knows how to build an audience yeah. and he knows how to build a team and that hype and that interaction. Yeah. It's so interesting. Well, well, what's interesting. I mean, like Sean or like FaZe Clan, um, there, there are people doing it right. Oh, absolutely. And, but, but there's a lot of brands saying, oh, we want to get into eSports. And they throw but, money instead of... <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, we're going to get on a T-shirt or, yeah, or, yeah. or something like that. And really, it, it's finding the, the teams that actually have distribution. Yeah. But more importantly, figure out what games align with your, your, your product brand. exactly, and then work with a bunch of YouTubers and Twitch streamers. So, so the, the deal is, and I guess the closing thoughts yeah. is to really survive in the digital age, whether you're a creator or your brand, it's really understanding who the viewer is, yes. 
what they care about, what's what they're passionate about, how it uh, overlaps with what your brand stands mm-hmm. for, and then ultimately look at ways to look at the data so you're making data-driven decisions for the future, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Ben is a, an AI company, and when you're building algorithms and different you know, deep learning neural networks, a lot of times these um, algorithms have layers yep. of different algorithms. Um, I'm going to try to tie this back to like a business, but when you're a creator, it's understanding the viewer, understanding your follower, and making, first of all, content. Yep. And then making product. Exactly. Figuring out, figuring out other ways to connect with them. And then in a way, you're kind of starting with your core business and then creating a different layers of businesses on top of that. I, I agree with that. So, uh, wow, this has been a, a great been discussion. I, I love it. We Our need next to... podcast is starting soon. Oh, so we better do this. We get rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for watching this podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening or watching, and we'll see you on the next video.